0: Ephesians chapter 3, verses 6 through 11. We're going to talk to you today about the local church. Our message is entitled, The Church, The Hope of the World. Ephesians chapter 3, reading to you from the New Living Translation, it says this. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body." And both enjoy the promise of blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out, Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. In the New International Version, verse 10 reads this way. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I want you to hear me clearly today. From the beginning of time, before time even began, God had a plan. He had a plan of redemption, a plan to redeem mankind. He sent his son Jesus to live a perfect sinless life, to be crucified upon a cross for the sins of the world. He was buried, and three days later, he arose from the dead. He walked on the earth for another 40 days, and then he ascended to heaven. And the Bible says that he is at the right hand of the Father, and it says that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. When he left, he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and he lives and abides in the hearts of men and women who believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But he also established his church. When he left, he established his church and it's called his body. And Jesus made this statement. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What that means is the church is going to be an offensive powerful tool in the hands of God. The church is going to move forward and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against the advances of the church. When Jesus established the church, why did he do it? He established the church so that his kingdom might be established and his work carried out here on the earth. The church, according to the Bible, is called the body of of Christ, the family of God. You and I are his hands, we are his feet, and we are the voice of Jesus to the earth today. It's through the church that God is going to make known, the scripture says, the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and the powers. Both angelic and demonic forces are going to recognize they're going to see the wisdom of God's plan. Pastor Bill Hybels said years ago that the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the vehicle that God will use to display the wisdom of this plan that he designed before the beginning of time. His plan was to bring together Jews and Gentiles, men and women, young and old, rich and poor, people from every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation, and make them one in Jesus Christ. People who would not normally meet together, people who didn't like each other, people who didn't care for one another, will be brought together as one in Christ. Now, the Greek word translated manifold refers to the beauty of an embroidered pattern or a variegated plant with its diversity in color. As God brings together this diverse group of people, and he unites them as one, he brings people from different pasts. He brings some religious person together with someone who's never even heard the name of Jesus. He brings people who have had a sheltered upbringing and someone who grew up on the streets. And he brings them together and he unites them together as one. People on the outside will look at this tattered group of people and say, what good could come out of these people? But the Bible says that even the angels and the demons are going to look and they're going to marvel at the mystery of this beautiful thing that God has built called the church. It's going to be astounding to them. God created his church for people. It's not for denominations. It's not for theological systems. It's not even for social actions or to give a pastor something to do on Sunday. He did something more than just giving a pastor something to do. It's through the church. And please hear me. It's through the church that God wants to express His love to people. It's through the church that God wants to win people and develop them and involve them in His service to the world of reaching people. This church is a living organism. It's not something that's dead. It's something that's alive that He's building. It's made up of imperfect people. If you don't believe me, look around. Just look around. Look in the mirror. If you don't believe that the church is made up of imperfect people, all you have to do is look around you. It doesn't matter what church you go into. It's made up of imperfect people who have a perfect Savior. He's the one who is perfect. We have a perfect Savior who has loved us and accepted us. His love enables us to love and accept other imperfect people. And together... As he brings these imperfect people together, they begin to discover their purpose and step out and use their gifts and talents to make a difference in the world that's lost and dying for the glory of God. That's the place that we at Lighthouse are at. It's a time for you and me to be the church, to take hold of the mission of seeking and saving those who are lost. Here's what I want you to hear. Don't be surprised or shocked by the variety of people that God brings into his church. Some people are generous, and some people are cantankerous. Some are gentle and kind, and some are goofy. Some are wonderful. Some are weird. Some are sensitive, and others are really insensitive. Some are passionate about the things of God, and some seem to be pretty much indifferent. Some are gracious. Others are self-centered. Some are dependable. Others are unreliable. Some are thankful and others are touchy. And they have one thing in common. They all need a savior. They all need a family to belong to. They need a home where they can grow and they can mature. And they can change and they can develop into the people that God has before time destined them to be. They need a shepherd to love them. Enough to show them the way home to God. I want you to know this, that God is making a power-filled beautiful church that has and will change the world. He's doing it right now all around the globe in local congregations where there is authentic fellowship in local congregations of all shapes, sizes, styles. He's building a church that changes people's lives, changes entire families, One is not better than the other. One church is not better than others. Some people need to be touched by God through a really large church, and some people need to be touched by God through a small home church, and some people need to be touched by God in a beautiful cathedral, and others in a storefront. But God is building his church, and he's doing it all over the globe. And what is that one thing in common that he's using? He's using his church to change people's lives. The basic distinction of the New Testament church is a love that heals shattered human relationships, that melts destructive misunderstanding, a love that fosters wholehearted forgiveness, a love that encourages authentic fellowship, and a love that motivates people to tell somebody else how Jesus can change their life. What is our hope based upon? Our hope is based upon what Jesus Christ did upon the cross of Calvary and how he can give you hope as well. And we've all heard the word propaganda, haven't we? Propaganda is information of a biased or misleading nature that's used to promote a particular cause or point of view. And the enemy uses propaganda to discredit the church. After hearing things long enough, people start to believe them, even if it's a lie or an exaggeration. If you hear something long enough, it's your natural response. I'll illustrate that. When it comes to peanut butter, choosy moms, what do they do? Yeah. So any of you guys, any of you kids that grow up in a home where your mom bought generic, you know, she wasn't a good mom, right? Peter Pan. No. choosing moms choose Jif. It's funny how we hear things and somehow we start to believe the things that we hear. Stupid stuff. You know, there's stupid stuff that people hear and when they hear it long enough, they start to believe it. Stupid stuff like the church shoots their wounded. Really? That's not been my experience. I found the church to be the exact opposite of that. I found the church to be a place where wounded people can go and find healing and grace and mercy. I found the church to be a place filled with compassion and grace. But the enemy wants to portray the church. And when he's talking about the church, who's he talking about? You. Me. When people say the church, they're talking about you. When you believe the lies about the church, you're believing lies about yourself. And the enemy would want to say that the church is filled He wants to portray it, you as a follower of Jesus, as unloving, as judgmental, as arrogant, or as always being hypocritical, particularly if you hold to a biblical view that differs from those who preach tolerance. You'll be labeled as a hater. I was thinking about this earlier. There's a stop sign down here at the end of the road. Pull out of our driveway, make the right, get down to Route 23. There's a stop sign. Why is it there? Because the law tells us to stop. We need to look both ways. And it's for safety purposes. It protects us and it protects other people. It protects the people in our car. It protects the old grandmom who's driving down the road, going to see her grandkids. It protects the father who's on his way home from work after working all day, or the young mother taking her kids to school. That stop sign is there to protect them. Now, let's say this. Let's say you drive out and you choose to just, Matt drives out, and he's in a hurry, and Matt chooses not to stop at the stop sign, and chooses just to fly right through it. we say, wow, wow, Matt, Whoa, man. And if I would go up to Matt and say, the next time I see him, didn't you see the stop sign? Oh, you're a hater. You're being judgmental of me. I'm not going back to that church anymore. That pastor, I can't believe him. Yet there's many people, when the word of God says that you do certain things, the Bible has clear things laid out. If you're living with someone who's not your wife, sleeping with someone who's not your wife, it's called fornication. The Bible says you shouldn't be doing that. There's consequences that come to that. If you're embezzling money from your boss, you're stealing. There's consequences that come with that. When we simply hold to biblical patterns, what the word says, there's oftentimes there's going to be people who are going to say that you're judging them. Well, am I judging you or am I simply telling you that there's a stop sign there? But that will be the attitude of the church. There's another piece of propaganda that we hear out there a lot you'll hear people say something to the effect of this i love god but i don't want anything to do with the church the foolish person listens to that and they hear this rhetoric so long that eventually they begin to nod their head yeah love god but hate the church uh, sound, somehow it's, it's as if it sounds okay But, you know, what? that's kind of like someone saying that they're a professional baseball player. Can you imagine someone comes into church week after week and they tell you, yeah, I'm a professional baseball player. Like, wow, really? You know, do you want to sign up for our softball team? (laughs) You're a pro? Wow. Who do you play with? Well, I'm not really connected with any one team. Like, you're a free agent all your life. If you're a free agent all your life, you're not a professional baseball player. You're scamming us, Okay. It's foolish to say that you're a professional athlete, but you're not associated with one particular team. You're delusional. We probably need to check you into Lancaster General. And yet there's many people who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I love Jesus, but I don't want to be connected with any one team, with one part of the body. Well, then you know what the scripture says. 1 Corinthians chapter twelve, verse eighteen says, But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If you were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Did you hear that? It says the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. What happens to parts of the body that are completely cut off? from the body. They die. The rest of the body will survive most things. What is somebody called who loses? How how do we define that? Someone who's lost a part of their body. We say they are what? Disabled? Lame? Handicapped? Okay. And that's what happens whenever you and I pull back from being connected to the body of Christ. There's parts of the body that aren't functioning because God established you in a local church somewhere. Wherever God has you is the place that you're supposed to be. He puts you there. And so the thought that I can just pull away from the church, that I can just separate myself, that the church really isn't important, is utter foolishness. Scripture clearly teaches us that God places the members of the body where he wants them. We can't say, I don't need you. And anyone who tells you that we don't need the church, I don't need to be a part of a local body, is either deceived or a liar. But you can go online and read all kinds of stuff. That's the crazy thing. Some guy's sitting in his basement of his, of his mom's house in his underwear, <laughs> typing at three o'clock in the morning on his blog about why you don't need the church as he drinks his beer and looks at his pornography. I don't want to just read what anybody whose blogging has to say about the church. I want to hear what the word of God says. And I want to see other people, listen to this one. I want to see other people whose lives have a proven track record of success. I don't want to find someone who doesn't have a track record that leads to the place that I want to go. In fact, the more I hear the world's opinions and criticisms, I know that if I do the exact opposite of what it says, I'm doing the right thing. The Bible says in the last days, the love of many is going to wax cold. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But if the world hates it, I know I should love it. The more I hear the world criticize and tear down the church, the more confident I become that I'm right where I belong. I'm going to challenge you that in these last days in which we live, as the love of many waxes cold, and you see the commitment of many dwindling, may you determine in your heart that you're going to become even more committed to the things of God. When others are pulling back because they've been disappointed, may you become more devoted to the body of Christ. While some find excuses to no longer serve, may you commit to even serve even more today, crying out to the Lord, Lord, would you use me? Would you make a difference? And the reason why you need to do this is not only for yourself, but for the generations that come behind you. I'm so appreciative to my mom and dad. In 1962, I think it was, they got saved. There again, I told you about how some of my family, my my dad's family and some of the things. But when mom and dad got saved, they got saved. There was a blessing that followed them. If you go home to my mom and dad's house with me and visit them, you'll hear my dad say, every time we go home, you'll hear again and again, Oh, I'm so thankful to the Lord for how good he's been to us. He talks about the family. There's 30 of us in our immediate family. Of those 30, that's mom and dad, kids, spouses, children, great-grandchildren. Of those 30, 27 of them are serving the Lord right now. Isn't that incredible? See, God's faithful to his people. He's faithful to his people. But you know what the thing was? When mom and dad got saved, Pastor Rodney's dad was my parents well, he was the his dad was the pastor at the assembly of god sh- across the street my mom and dad had a store and across the street there was a little assembly of god church they would have revival mom and dad got saved mom went over they were going 15 miles towards bedford to a church there mom said she just felt like that's where she belonged i just feel like that's where we belong she went over they went one time they went to revival And then they made a commitment to that little local church. Now, to a lot of people, you look at that little church as you drove down the highway. It don't look like much. It's a little old white building. But I'm telling you, that place transformed. God used that place and those people to transform hundreds of people's lives, thousands of people's lives over the years. Missionaries, evangelists, pastors, some of the largest missions churches in the the United States Pastor Wendell was raised up in that church. Their church gives over a million dollars a year to missions every year. This man grew up in that church. It's incredible the way that God calls people and uses them. But you know, Mom and Dad made a commitment. As I was praying, this is what I sensed the Lord saying to me: God is going to make a distinction in the time in which we live. You know how there's seasons, and it's important for you to listen to God. There's seasons in which God works that you need to have ear that's attentive to the voice of God. You need to hear what God is saying in that moment, okay? If you do certain things at certain times, it doesn't work. But if you do certain things at the right time, when you invest in the market, it's really important. When you plant your seed is really important. When you try to go out and harvest your garden is really important. And as I was praying this week, the Lord just, I wanna say it's a prophetic word for you that there is going to be a distinction. God is going to make a sharp distinction between those who are passionate about him and the unrighteous, the ungodly. I really believe that we're coming into a time or a season in which if you want God's favor on your life, if you want his blessing on your life, that now is a time. If there's ever a time to be asleep, it's not now. If there's ever a time to back off, it's not now. You know, in 2008, I took my money, I took my retirement out of the market. Remember 2008? That wasn't the time to take your money out. Can I tell you? That's at the bottom. That was the time, if you had money, while everybody else is going the other way, you would throw as much money as you could in there, okay? Because the market was down, and when I, when I took my money out, put it into something steady, I lost, but God's moving in these days. And i got a scripture for you from Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verse 13. It says this. You've spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it's futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly, evildoers prosper. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. You hear that? What were the people doing? They're saying, it's no use serving God. Why am I going to try to be faithful to the Lord? Why am I going to be faithful to serve other people? Why am I going to be faithful to invest in other people's lives? Why don't I just take care of myself and my family and forget about everybody else and just enjoy? Because when I look around, the people who are doing that, they seem to be getting ahead. But notice what he says. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written In his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve God and those who do not. I want to say this to you again. I believe with all of my heart that we are coming into a time in which you're going to see a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the ones who commit themselves to the work of God and those who do not. My prayer for you and for me is that we will be able to say to God, God, you can count on me. I'm concerned about your kingdom, I'm concerned about what concerns you. The Apostle Paul, I'll read the verse to you. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And then later on, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, This for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And he has a prayer for the people, because his heart is for them. Paul was a shepherd. Of this church at Ephesus. And this is what he said. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And this is what he says next. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, because God's plan for the local church is that he would call people who are really diverse, who probably wouldn't like each other, who wouldn't have anything to do with each other, really unique group of people, he'd call them together and he'd make them one. And out of these different pieces of broken people, he would build and design something that's beautiful called the church. And through the church, he would change the world. Through the church, he would change whole families. Through the church, he would change whole communities. Through the church, he would change whole nations. That's what God's plan is. And that the angels and the demons would stand back and would be astonished and say, oh my goodness, how wise God is. Look at what he's done. He's used all of these people who were broken, all these people who come from different backgrounds, and he's made something powerful that he touches the world through, that he offers hope. Because broken people know how to help other broken people. Because overlooked people know how to help and see overlooked people. Because people who have gotten whole know how to help other people get whole. Now I want to pray this prayer over you and I'm going to ask you that you let me as your pastor bless you. Because I believe that as I pray over you, I believe this. I believe that the Holy Spirit, as He anointed and His power came upon Paul, that His Spirit will come upon you. Lord, I pray today, out of your glorious riches, that you may strengthen with power through your spirit, the inner being of my friends who are here today. As they lift up their hands to you, Father, I pray that you would strengthen them inside. Those who are stressed and overwhelmed, I'm asking for your spirit to come upon them. Those whose families or marriages are stressed out, their finances are stretched out, Father, I pray that you would strengthen them inside. Lord, I pray that the weak would say, I'm strong. Let the fearful say, I'm bold, Lord. Let those who are tired say, I'm ready to go. In Jesus' name, may your spirit renew them inside, Father. In Jesus' name, just like you breathe into those dry bones and you declare to them dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And Lord, you breathe life into them and they came alive and they were a mighty army. I pray that you would breathe life into the spirit's Of your people today. Their innermost being. We're not asking you to change all their circumstances. We're asking you to work in them and empower them to be able to overcome their circumstances. In Jesus' name. Thank you for that, Lord. Father, we thank you that you're going to strengthen them. Lord, may they have the power together. As you've rooted them and you've grounded them in love, I pray that they may have the power together with all the saints. May you open up their minds so that they can understand how wide and deep, how extravagant your love is for them. We pray, Father, that there would be a revelation today as they walk out of this place, that people who've questioned God's love for them, people who felt that they're unworthy, May they leave this place today with an understanding of how deep the love God has for them. I pray that those who feel like they got to perform, that that would be over, Lord, because they know that they are accepted in you. I pray, God, you would open our eyes to how you accepted us while we were still sinners. and You loved us. Lord, and that will enable us, Lord, to love and care for other people. Now, Lord, I pray that also that they would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for more of you in their lives. I ask, Father, that as they lift their hands to you and as they surrender themselves to you, we ask for more of your presence, more of your conviction, more of your anointing, more of your Holy Spirit to flow in us. Lord, let those who are tired right now, I pray, God, that they would be refreshed, in Jesus' name, Lord, the one who says, I don't know how to handle my business. I pray that there be more wisdom in them. I pray, God, that more of you and less of us, and the peace of God that passes all understanding, may it fill their hearts, we pray. Now, Lord, we say to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far above all we could ask or think, Now, Lord, I pray for the dreams and the visions that you have for them, that you had for them before they were ever born. Lord, the dreams and the visions that you had for their families, the blessings that you desired to bring into their life. When the enemies tried to steal those things away, I pray, God, that your dreams and your visions for their business, for their family, for their marriage, for their ministry, that your dreams and visions would be planted in their hearts and that they would be fulfilled by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that today. Now, God, I pray a special blessing upon your people as they go from here. Refresh them, renew them. God, empower them to be the church. And Lord, anytime the enemy comes along with this lie that the church isn't important, that the body isn't important, I pray that as much as you love us, as much as you love your bride, the church, God, I pray that you would you'd put that same love in our hearts for one another, for the world around us, and then particularly for your church. And we'll thank you and praise you for that. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, I want to tell you this to you. As you leave here today, I'm going to make you a promise. The Holy Spirit has done a work in some of your hearts. You say, Pastor, I don't feel it. I don't care. I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit has done a work in your hearts. Some of you who were kind of worn out, you wait till tomorrow. When you wake up, you're going to be refreshed. Some of you who have lost some vision. God is restoring your vision to you. Some of you have lost hope. God's putting hope back into your heart. I'm making you a promise. God is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Father, bless your people. Anoint them in a power that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.